Well, I guess we have a few more people that'll be rolling into um, a pew. Let's, uh, loud noises. Let's, uh, let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. You've been good to us in many ways. We'd ask that you, we would stand before you always thankful, always conscious of the world as it is, and your mercies to it. In your son's name, amen. Um, Last couple of weeks, because of my sister's first her uh, sudden collapse and then her death, is easily infects a um, sermon topics, and so consequently, last two weeks have been that way. Uh, we just got back last night, late, uh, from Los Angeles for the funeral, and it's warmer there. And uh, where the graveyard is, out uh, Chatsworth, is that what the place was called? Out to Topanga Canyon. I don't know if you've been up that, that area of LA. Really lovely. And it was 72 degrees, sunny, in this large uh, cemetery. I was talking to Benicia there at the cemetery, or I think it was Benicia. No, I think it was Becca. Um, it was weird. Uh, somebody, somebody said to me, is this a Armenian cemetery? Is it you, Manisha? Uh, it was probably Becca. And I was looking at the, 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 the grave markers, and there were names from every ethnic group under the sun. I started looking around the expanse, there were people there visiting graves, decorating them. It looked like it was a Mexican graveyard. I mean, everybody was, I mean, we have tinsel at the graves. People had elaborate, uh, they didn't just stop by in a good Anglo-Saxon way and leave a bouquet of flowers. They put balloons and garlands and it was amazing. I said, this has to be an ethnic. No, it wasn't ethnic. It was just everybody was, maybe it's just California has that way. You know, death has certain rituals that surround it. Memorials and funerals, visiting the grave, gravesides. This was a graveside funeral. And, you, and you're noticing because you're in a situation that you hope you don't have to visit that often, where someone close to you has died, you hope the next one will be the one you're dead at, so that you don't have to go through it. But, uh, so you're, you're alert to emotion. We sometimes think that because it's death, it's sacred. Because people are sad, because people are sad, no matter what, they're allowed to do anything because someone died. 
I mentioned uh, either two weeks ago, I think, about how people are sad in many cases because this is the only heaven they thought the person could get. And so they're sad. Well, what I wanted to so I was, I was thinking about it. When we got back, we were sitting in the library. Bradley was over and the whites were over and everybody seemed to be over at midnight in my house. Um, so we finally got to bed at 12.30, I think. But uh, I think Bradley asked me if it was going to be shaped. We talked a little bit about what was going on. The sermon was going to get shaped. I said, almost certainly by this point, because I have so little sleep ahead of me, I have to get up. It's going to have to be about something easy, like a funeral. But I was thinking about how people grant themselves uh, I have a right to be this. I have a right to be depressed. I have a right to be sad. I have a right to be, you know, blessed are those that weep. Well, because they shall be comforted. Because they're weeping. You don't get to be one of the cool kids because you're sad. You're one of the blessed kids because you're not sad anymore. You will be comforted. So I was looking at the scriptures on this, and, and a few, I have a few, four passages that I wanted to look at. Now, the one out of Ezekiel, right at the very top, Ezekiel 8, then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord. This is one of those situations where Ezekiel's telling the Jews in Babylon the vision he had, and the angel came and grabbed him by his hair and carried him by his hair back to Jerusalem and had this vision of Jerusalem. And it seems like it's a vision of reality. It's not a vision of symbols. He sees what's going on in Jerusalem while they're all in exile. He brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. And he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? You will see still greater abominations than these. It's part and parcel, the weeping for Tammuz, of what was going on in the temple in Jerusalem. Because we think sometimes the authenticity or the religiousness that guy who gave the prayer in the Congress and the amen and on women business. He also granted in the prayer Brahma and other gods, anybody you want to pick. It's all really the same. We think we have a certain, have to give a certain degree of, you know, virtue, grant. Well, she's crying. She's weeping for Tammuz. And you say, uh, first off, I don't know who Tammuz is. Old Sumerian deity, sometimes Demuzi, or um, the agricultural deity that had the usual agricultural deity responsibilities, which was die in the fall, be raised in the spring. And so everybody had rituals. And for Tammuz, at the end of his going into, I think, the dry season where things were going to... There was a, a, a lament that the people would go through weeping for the death of Tammuz. 
It's not better because it's weeping. It's not better because it's religious. It's an abomination. Now, I don't advise you, and as I looked around the crowd at the funeral, there are quite a few non-believers there, people of different ethnic stamps, stripes. And uh, one of the wonderful things about it is the gospel was preached multiple times. Everybody who got up to the mic <laughs> was, was, uh, was good on the gospel. Uh, there was a little bit about Heather, but it was about Jesus Christ. That's what kind of what affected me about about this, because we need to examine. I'm, you might not really be encouraged to, um, oh, point out the the problems of somebody else's emotional response. Whether they say you're wife is overreacting, all you say to her is, well, honey, I think you're overreacting. And she'll go, yes, I, I probably am, and everything will be better until she kills you. We don't really step into other people's, you know, even the prophets of God who were called by God to do it, they ended up dying for it. So I recommend you not um, walk up to somebody who is, you think, weeping inconsolably and incorrectly at some funeral of a dearly departed and correct them. Not the place nor the time. But I want to talk to you about it because death is, is on our minds as a family. And because you can speak to yourself about it. You can check you. The points of emotion... It's like the grave decorations. Are going, what in the world is going on? The kind and point of emotion as it comes up, how it speaks to what we value. Psalm 30 is a psalm of David. Short one, 12 verses. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast drawn me up and hast not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to thee for help, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those who have gone down to the pit. Think, sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Then he gives kind of a thematic that, that's all good. Yeah, okay, yeah. We all get the grace of God. We've been upheld above our enemies. Blah, 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 blah. Typical David stuff. Then he says, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. It's kind of a, a little bit more something. It's almost like a proverb. There are things, God's anger, your weeping, we have the point of, you might say, emotion. The point, you are not special in your emotions because you're having them. You know, my 14-year-old girl, but father, 
I love him. I don't care. One of the best things my father ever did to me when I told him that Charlene uh, was God's will for me, she was the Baptist pastor's daughter. I was 15, I think. He laughed. That's all he did. <laughs> he just started laughing. And my father's big on the will of God, you know. I thought I could, I could sway him by claiming it was the will of God. I did not marry her. My wife's name is Leslie, not Charlene. And I dodged a bullet on that one. I hope she's not watching the stream. I don't think she is. She's a Buddhist. We think that, that once we have the imprimatur of feeling strong, we see this in a lot of the crisis in our nation, right? People think they, they feel strongly enough, and I don't care if they're MAGA hat wearing or, or progressive radicals. They think because they're virtually wet in their pants about whatever, it, because nobody really knows how to think. Nobody really knows what to do. Everybody's running amok, all vindicated in the strength of their emotions. But David's getting to something here that says, one, I'm under God's anger, it's for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. And my weeping might last through the evening, but by morning it's joy. Then he says, as for me, <laughs> I said in my prosperity, that sounds, that sounds like something, something's not good is going to happen. I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By thy favor, O Lord, thou hast established me as a strong mountain. But then it goes sideways. Thou didst hide thy face, I was dismayed. Suddenly, your sister dies. Suddenly. Suddenly, your house burns to the ground. Suddenly. Suddenly, you find out you have cancer. Because we are running our lives on, you might say, the strength, the virtue of our own feeling about everything. I shall never be moved. I, I have a good life. I'm prosperous. I feel well. Um, flights went well. California was pleasant. Nothing to do. Came home. Had a cigar because I hadn't had one for three days. Can you imagine? And I felt that I shall never be moved. I was in my chair again in the library. I shall not be moved. But suddenly, God's face seems to be hidden from you. Now here's the, ba the basic thing. We, we have choices on our emotions. We're, we're, we're favoring an ordinate value. Um, something like that happens. My sister dies. 
And where, where does your emotion go? Is it the bitterness at the Holy One? Because what's he doing doing that? We find out that we have a natural enmity with God that is just being encouraged by him not doing, supporting the prosperity you had, supporting the concept, I shall never be moved. I'm one of God's chosen, one of God's favored. He stops favoring you and you go, what, who are you? Look at the emotions kind of, uh, as what I was looking at this morning when I was covering this, that, that emotions are a drive. A drive. They, 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 I don't always encourage it because I'm not a big fan of passion and that sort of thing, but it's a goad. It, it, it presses you on to something. It has an inertial force. The problem with emotions as inertial forces is you got no good reasons. But what you can tell by your emotions and your passions goading you on, moving you, is that one, it will change you, and it will change you in a way that will define something for you. Where does your, where does your change through the emotion, the anger of the Lord on you and the the weeping in the night. What's the source of the joy in the morning? The Christians at my sister's funeral were rejoicing. The Armenian Christians, the Anglo-Saxon Christians. Sort of perfect, uh, I was talking to my brother-in-law, and one of his sons-in-law, I'm going to hold it. You guys all have tartan ties on. You guys are all Armenians. What are you guys doing with Scots? Basically, two people groups that are hard to live with, Armenians and Scots. They don't play well with others. So it worked that they had tartan ties on. What is... Your reaction, we remember at the beginning, we can correct ourselves in a highly emotional framed moments. You're not in the business to go, you know, shake down some, some poor dressed in black woman, you know, weeping by the graveside and say, do you know, that's not the right response to this. But you can be going, what is my response? Where does my joy come from in the morning? Did any joy come in the morning? We had a great time. The family, both at the funeral, after the funeral, and into the evening, we were rejoicing. We were singing hymns Friday night over at the Tarosians. Because this change, this prodding, the emotional importance of whatever it is and the source, the way the way you have it, the why you have your emotion, is going to be attempting to favor your lifetime or to give you joy in the morning. And are you able to produce that? And people are not. That's why they get crippled by their emotions, why they get boxed in by their bitterness over the loss, anything that 
cost them something. They can't produce the joy by morning. Then they wonder why 15 years later they still hate Aunt Mabel. Because it's supposed to push you on, but it's only doing is revealing what sort of emotional frame you have. You, you, you talk to my father at all at any point, see, so you know, the glass illustration. Glass gets pushed over. What was inside is what comes out. Simple. What's your emotions drive you to? Shaking your fist at heaven? Bitterness? You're checking to see whether or not you're right in your head. David looks at it and goes, yeah, I know joy is coming in the morning. To thee, O Lord, I cried, verse 8, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise thee? Will it tell of thy faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be thou my helper. Now, look at the kind of voice David has in whatever the disciplined moment, the hardship moment he was going through. He says, my faith in my God is such, I'm, I'm a necessary part of my faith in my God. Lord, who's going to be praising you if I'm gone? If I am down in the dust, will the dust praise thee? Will it tell of your faithfulness? My father's not afraid of dying. He's afraid of leaving the job unfinished. <laughs> he wants to tell of the Lord's faithfulness longer. Um, where you see that you're part of something that God would be pleased with. That Lord... Deliver me, I'm part of your people and I'm part of something that is attentive to him. Too often our emotions are our little, bit, our little bouts of attention to ourselves, whatever form that takes. And too often the mourning is exactly that. It's paying attention to you. My sister is with the Lord. At least that's what our doctrine says, right? What does my personal doctrine say? I miss my sister. Okay. Well, how much do you want to think about that? I'll be mean, I miss my sister. Won't see her this side of glory. But the morning that comes on in a you know a crippling way shows you you need to be examining your emotions to find out who you are. Do you find yourself as God's advocate? Remember Job? Remember Job? You've heard of Job, book of Job, it's in the Bible. Good man. Bad things happen to the good man. Job spends the next 30 chapters justifying himself because his friends are criticizing him. And Job was wrong. A lot of people miss that point. They don't read the book to the end, I guess. Because Job didn't justify God. 
Here was an emotion. What kind of emotion do you have will reveal what kind of person you are. Job has to repent at the end of the book for not justifying God, seeking to justify himself. We have very subtle ways of always having our emotions ennoble us, be an automatic credit, an automatic ethical, you know, proof that you're kind of good. You're good for what religion? Are you good for the religion of you or are you good for the religion of God? Because what happens here, verse 11, the end of chapter, uh, Psalm 30, thou hast turned for me my more, thou hast Turned for me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. My sister didn't want us to be wearing black at the wet, at the funeral. Because my sister was uh, all joy all the time. That was, and she, of course, all the Armenians were in black. <laughs> As for Armenian, you can't do certain things. And I, I had to wear black slacks because I didn't have anything nice that wasn't black. So I, but I, I wore a colorful tie so I could try to stand out a little bit. But the Lord is doing something in David where he says, you know, this change, your emotion, if it is featured, the, if you're the kind of person that has it rightly uh, positioned. The change that is going to work in you works the good thing. And it's going to be, blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You, that's the blessing. Happy because you're comforted. Because God turns your mourning into dancing, and it's a dancing with gladness. Um, so where do you think you're going with your emotion? Because you could be at the same place. Uh, everybody at the funeral was mourning for my sister. Everyone there, one way or another. Friends of Heather Jean Tarosian and family of Heather Jean Tarosian. And um, there were tears on a lot of faces. But you could walk you through that crowd and tag this person and that person, this person, all of the morning, all of them in the same moment for the same person, same emotion, going different places. Not going just eternally different places, but walking their emotion different places. After the service, we went over to their church uh, a couple miles away, just the Therosians and the immediate Wilsons, um, just to have really good fellowship, some sandwiches and to chat. Because at the funeral, it was really obvious the wide range of mourners you had, all sad that Heather was dead. You couldn't sit down with those people because they were going someplace else with their mourning 
They didn't understand how to handle death the way Christians handle death. We went to the Trosians' house after into the evening, sang hymns, told jokes, had a good time. Now, you could have spotted that coming because at the funeral, it was preached by any number of voices. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 7. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. It's no credit to you that you're a feeling person. You could just be awful. Most of us. Even I have feelings. Not very big ones, but they're feelings. And I felt things at my sister's funeral. It's not important that I felt things. Oh, see, he, he felt things. Oh. Where you go, where do you end up with your emotion? Is it into dancing? It is, is it into gladness? There's a great line I, I used at the, at the funeral. Um, Sorrow of countenance is the heart made glad. No, people go, what? Well, when you're God's people, when sorrow of countenance, you become that much more wise. You were grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. Verse 10, important one, for godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation and brings no regret. But worldly grief produces death. And that's what we had standing on that hillside in Topanga Canyon, north of L.A. A group of people producing death in their grief. Talked to a number of the Ar Armenian uh, extended family. Oh, they, 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 they made it clear that they were grieving with us. It was worldly grief to produce death because the believers, and they had just heard Ararat get up there and were just remarkably speak of his relationship with my sister. No tears, just rejoicing. Everybody else was crying. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. What eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. They had done something wrong in Second and First Corinthians. They get corrected for it. Second Corinthians is an attitude adjustment or a re restoration between Paul and the Corinthians. At every point, you've proved yourself guiltless in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong, nor on account of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order, and this is the thing I, I, I sort of built my thinking on, that your zeal for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. That, that how you're reacting, in this case, Godly grief produces repentance, leads to salvation, and no regret. Worldly grief leads to death. Your zeal for us is revealed to you. 
Not your zeal for us was revealed to us, but your zeal for us is revealed to you. Your zeal for anything that's in the right is revealed to you. Um, was it last week that, uh, Daniel, did you read the scriptures out of Proverbs last week? Um, end of that, Proverbs 9, one of my favorite proverb, the wise man is wise for himself. All of this, first, you, you know, for all that's going wrong with the world, 90% of your decision-making is about you in your life, about what you're going to do with you. Your wisdom, your emotions, your valuation, your structuring of things. It's all about what's going to happen to you, and you ought to know what's happening to you. Has how you reacted in a situation. I can't get over it. I can't believe he did that. Lighten up, Francis. I mean, it's not... Well, you, the problem is that people can't lighten up because your emotion is revelatory. It's not that you have it, but what change does it wreak in you or does, has it wrought in you? Now, we're not a very weepy family. I hugged some people. I hugged more than I wanted to hug at the funeral. But when we got up there to speak, various, uh, um, the pastor, their pastor spoke, Ararat spoke, Masi spoke, uh, Gordon spoke, Doug spoke, and I spoke. I did the, um, the wrap-up, the committal, and, and the closing. And you could hear, even though we're not a weepy family, there was some catches in voice. You know that catch when you, you feel like you're... I can't explain it, but I, my voice feels funny. I don't know if it sounded that way in the audience, but you know, you, you'd hear when other people did it. Ararat just spoke with power. But the thing I noticed, I didn't mention what it was I noticed about points of emotion. It was not that when Doug or Gordon or Evan or Ararat or Masis spoke of Heather, that their voices had a catch in it. So I was listening to them all and myself. And I knew this because I, when I was preparing, I actually had to prepare a prayer. I couldn't just wing it like I normally would. This is my sister's funeral. Um, so I had one written up. And I noticed where the emotion hit me. It wasn't about my sister. You know who you are by what's hitting you and what it's driving you to. And I noticed this when they spoke, because all of them got to the gospel. They knew the audience was mostly not Christians. And they preached it with power. And that's where the emotion hit you. I, I noticed it because I brought in that passage at the end of... Hebrews, um, I, I still get, I get a little choky, even if it's not about my sister's death. You know, it's, it's what you, you have not come to a mountain, what may be touched to blazing fire, darkness, and gloom, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. That's where it's touching. It's the Christ. 
If I'm turned to dust, who's going to praise his faithfulness? And the wonderful thing about the death of Christ, we are far more just up into our you know, armpits confident in our Lord. Jesus Christ and him crucified. I had a uh, story that was shared during the funeral. I forget who shared it. Might have been Doug. I think it might have been Doug. I can't tell. Everybody was <laughs> everybody was preaching the gospel. But uh, my sister had been a missionary first in Egypt. And um, she was working with Coptic refugees out of um, Ethiopia and the Sudan. And uh, she had been on a bus and got to know a Muslim couple and presented the gospel to them. And the woman who was in charge of her port of the mission flipped out. and said, I will have you removed from this country if you ever do that again. Well, you don't talk like that to Heather Wilson. She called her dad. And I don't think he immediately flew out, but he made a round-the-world trip, ended up in Egypt with her, part to settle this thing. And my father said that he hadn't ever seen his daughter cry except in this situation. My sister couldn't imagine having a non-believer in front of you, interested in knowing, and for proprieties and politics, you would not tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where you react emotionally. Acts 21, while we were staying for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this girdle and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Struck me as this is what this lady missionary was saying to my sister, You're going to get kicked out of the country if you do this. When we heard this, we and the people there begged him not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, what are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. We have other places, seemingly virtuous places, to place our weeping. I'm caring for St. Paul. What could be better than that? St. Paul says, knock it off. I'm willing to die for Christ at Jerusalem. It's not a matter whether or not, oh my gosh, I'm going to get arrested. Your zeal, your reaction, how you walk into anything, whatever is the um, dismay that you get hit with when God hides his face from you and you're, what, what? Dismayed, how could this happen? 
to me. I'm broke. My sister's dead. What, what's the, what, what, what should I be doing? Well, let's find out who you are. You might want to find out who you are first. You, you don't want to wait for the moment to find out whether Jesus Christ in you. We're getting into a place where an awful lot of things are going to be said about Christianity. A lot of things are going to be put to the test for Christians. Well, good for them. But test yourself sooner. Let uh, what God allows you to have, emotion, is revealing the right kind of change of you to the right place. Is it bringing gladness and joy and comfort? Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. You're very good to us. Help us stand as your people, wanting your favor, wanting to apprehend you, being driven by our emotion to repentance with no regret. Thank you. Keep us from our own folly. In your son's name, amen.